You know, guys, when you get to be our age, finding the motivation to get back in shape can be hard. It's just plain tough to find a routine and to stick with it. Good news. FitBod is a fitness app that is anything but routine. It tailors your workouts to fit your life, your goals, your gear, and even your schedule, so you can avoid burnout. And FitBod helps keep up your momentum by mixing in different exercises, reps, supersets, and circuits. Best yet, FitBod has over 1,000 demonstration videos, so you can learn the right way to do each exercise. It's time to ditch the boring routines and kickstart your fitness journey. Add FitBod to your workout essentials. Join today to get your personalized workout plan. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app for free at fitbod.me slash Zabe. That's F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash Zabe. Today on the Zabecast, it's stand up and make a statement time in the NFL. I got the only handful of teams I'd bet any money on to make the Super Bowl. The Bama train keeps rolling as they rack up their first quarterback Heisman. We got three inches of Lincoln Riley plus listener feedback, including an ode to train hobbyists from a most unlikely listener. Your 35-minute uncensored Zabe Express is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Go! Oh, ho, 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 ho. Here we go! Monday, December 13, 2021. Thank you for downloading. And you are looking live at a pre-Sunday NFL taped version of the Zabecast. Yes, I will have been at the Bears-Packers game at Lambeau Field. Details to come tomorrow in this space. I should have gotten home last night about a cozy 1 a.m. for a quick four hours of nappy nap before the morning show. So we shall see. That's if we were lucky, if the traffic wasn't too brutal. I feel like the NFL is at a weird juncture right now where teams are going to start to essentially declare their intentions if they are indeed legit, indeed Super Bowl contenders. But, you know, this 17-game schedule is kind of jamming my radar somewhat. And the new seven-team format, seven in the AFC, seven in the NFC, implemented last year, is also taking a little bit of getting used to. So I figured I just wanted to, right now for the record or for your entertainment or for you to argue and yell at me about, I wanted to identify the teams that I believe have genuine Super Bowl, maybe not expectations because they all think they can make it. Let me put it this way. These are the teams, these are the only teams I'd put any money on to make the Super Bowl. Forget winning the Super Bowl. I never try to say here's who's going to win the Super Bowl. I just try to ascertain who can make it. So let's start in the NFC. I think it is essentially a three-team group. That's it. It's Tampa. It's Green Bay. I'm sorry, four teams. Did I say three? Tampa, Green Bay, Arizona, and the Rams. Just going through division by division. Yeah, I know. I left out Dallas. Dallas 8-4. and four. I don't think Dallas is a serious team. I don't think they've been a serious team 
under Jerry Jones the last 10, 15. Since Jimmy left, they have not been a serious team. Well, let me amend that. They were a serious team under Parcells, but even then, you always have to contend with Jerry being Jerry. And Mike McCarthy, boy, I can't wait to see how his little boast about we're going to win this game against Washington turned out. So I don't put da- I don't think Dallas is a serious contender to make the Super Bowl. Nobody else in the NFC East, despite the fact that Washington's make or was making a bit of a run, Philadelphia has been a bit intriguing. I mean, someone's going to make it from the into the playoffs from there, probably besides Dallas, but it's going to be the bottom rung team. Nobody in the NFC North besides Green Bay, obviously. Minnesota's the second best at six and seven. They're not very good. Tampa's legit and getting stronger. The rest of their division is junk. Arizona has too much explosiveness with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins healthy for me to dismiss. They could make it despite their inexperienced. And then the Rams, you got Sean McVay having been there. That carries a lot of weight. Stafford, if he doesn't revert to being Detroit Lions Stafford, then they're obviously, I think, good enough to make it. That's a four-team deal in the NFC. In the AFC, I think it is a three-team situation. No, four. (laughs) Once again, (laughs) I'll give you four. New England and Buffalo in the east. Baltimore out of the north. And Kansas City out of the west. Yes, I am discounting the following teams. Cincinnati, too inexperienced. Not yet. Pittsburgh, too old and decrepit. Tennessee, they've lost their soul in King Henry. I don't think they're going to have enough when it's all said and done. Indianapolis, nice, fun, frisky team. Well coached. Jonathan Taylor, no. Chargers, too inconsistent. No. Four-team race in the AFC. Kansas City, Baltimore, and the two from uh, AFC East, New England and Buffalo. Meanwhile, in the NFL, it looks like the skids are being greased for the inevitable Urban Meyer exit stage left in Jacksonville. Story by Tom Pellicero, NFL.com saying months of tension surrounding Jaguars head coach Urban Meyer has boiled over with multiple run-ins with players and or other coaches in recent weeks, renewing questions in league circles about whether Meyer could be out after just one tumultuous season. Is there a bigger lock in the world than Urban Meyer being out after one season? Of course he's going to leave. This guy never sticks When the going gets tough, Urban Meyer is already gone. He doesn't get going when the going gets tough. It goes pretty tough. Where did Urban Meyer go? Oh, he, he left well ahead of the going getting tough. Get this. During a staff meeting, Meyer delivered a biting message to his staff that, quote, not quote, he delivered a biting message to his staff that he's a winner. And his assistant coaches are losers. This, according to several people informed of the contents of the meeting, he also challenged each coach individually to explain what they've ever won 
and forcing them to defend their resumes. <laughs> if true, what a dick. What a wonderful place to work under Urban Meyer. That's if it's true. Something tells me it's probably a bit exaggerated, but that it is Urban Meyer. So you never know. College football, the Heisman Trophy, given out in New York on Saturday night. Congratulations to Bryce Young, quarterback, Alabama. I watched this ceremony because I had nothing else to do on a Saturday night. And I kind of enjoyed seeing the backstory of the players and the families and everything else. I I enjoyed seeing the uh, former Heisman Trophy winners who were in attendance. Holy cow, Gino Toretta. What? Did you see Gino Toretta? Gino Toretta, nice guy, but he looks like he is the COO of Aetna Insurance who was in amongst all these other athletes. <laughs> He's aging quicker than most of the other ones that were on that stage. Anyway, I'm not sure they were all there or not, those uh, surviving Heisman Trophy winners. In fact, I'm pretty sure they, they couldn't have all been there. But a good selection of them were. Anyway, Bryce Young wins uh, the Heisman Trophy narrowly over defensive end Aiden Hutchinson of Michigan. And it is the first Alabama quarterback to ever win the Heisman Trophy. Now you think about that, that's pretty remarkable. But also remarkable is this. Nick Saban has now had to replace one, two, three different Heisman Trophy, or excuse me, three different NFL quarterbacks, and they keep on winning. Nick Saban has had to replace Jalen Hurts, Tua Tungavailoa, and Mac Jones in back-to-back-to-back years. And all he could do was, well, I guess we'll get the Heisman Trophy winner in Bryce Young. Bryce Young said he wanted to go to Alabama for one reason. It was the hardest. It was the best. That's the kind of momentum Alabama has as a program now that Nick Saban has built up. It is truly, you know, the, the crimson tide. The, the, the rising tide of excellence is drawing people in. Even guys who rightfully might want to go somewhere else, but they're like, no, fuck it, let's go to Alabama. It's the hardest. I want to play there. Now, from the good question department in the name image likeness era will Bryce Young be able to hang out and profit financially off of the vaunted Heisman House campaign with Dr. Pepper and Nissan beginning immediately this offseason ooh that is a good question Army Navy great tradition I didn't watch the game this year Navy wins 17-14 Fake punt, low scoring, grinded out football, the pomp, the pageantry. In years past, I had been there at the Army-Navy game, as you guys know, because I would tweet about it. We would broadcast from there. I asked my boy Jimmy Shapiro, who organizes the Radio Row for Army-Navy, sponsored by the good folks at USAA. I said, hey, what happened to my invite this year? Not that I could go. And I wasn't going to go if it was in Philly. It was in New York. And he said, yeah, sorry, bud, but, you know, morning shows don't really work 
at this radio row because we can't get any guests. So because I'm not in the afternoon radio business, still it would have been nice to go. I kind of felt a little twinge inside of me going, God, I so like being at that game as part of an annual December tradition. Could Dave and Buster's be your new bookie? Dateline Finance, Dave and Buster's Entertainment, the restaurant operator known for its wide selection of in-store video games, is mulling sports betting and is holding talks to that effect. Chairman and interim CEO Kevin Sheehan made comp... What? Well, spelled exactly the same. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm also the CEO of... <laughs> It's a very inside joke for those that know our friend Kevin Sheehan. Uh, made the comments along those lines on the company's third quarter earnings conference call earlier this week. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I think it makes sense on a lot of levels. However, if you're going to turn to legalized sports gambling as one of your main new revenue sources, do you really have a viable business without it? Something to think about. Okay, email time. Lots of feedback this week. Thank you very much, everybody who uh, sent me notes, positive, some not so positive. Let's start with the bad, shall we? Our friend Carol weighed in again. Out of the weeds. I had not heard from her in a while. My most virulent and brutal critic. Carol says, another week, another No Scott Solly podcast. What gives? I guess you'll never learn. Jay is awful, but you keep having him on. Hatch is awful, but you put him on again. Carol is awful, and now she's back in the mix. Signed, Carol. (laughs) Not even warmly. Not even yours in constructive criticism. But she's still here listening. Well, the Scott and Solly thing was, I w- I'm in Milwaukee, so it wasn't working out. I have standards. I, I can't, I don't put on uh, podcasts that are Skype podcasts. I, I just don't. I'll put somebody on the phone, a good solid phone connection, as you know, but I, I won't do Skype, and I can't do Scott and Solly properly if I'm not in D.C., so there's going to be weeks where they're not on. Jay is my best guy. I believe. Well, I like all my guys and gals, by the way. But uh, you know, Jay is, I think, uh, always good. <clears throat> and I love Carol. But all right, Carol, thanks for uh, the feedback. I don't know what else to say. Here's more feedback, not positive. Patrick Bradley emailed me, and I'm not sure if I read this before, but here's what he said uh, a couple weeks ago. He says, "Listening on Monday." And I'm wondering, did you even watch the Packer game? You said you never even saw Rodgers limp during the game. It was live on TV, and the announcers talked about it. You really need to think more before talking. You make a lot of mistakes for being a so-called professional. Maybe you should forfeit. Sign P. Bradley. Uh The dig about me uh, riffing about, well, without Rodgers, should the Packers actually go to Arizona and play the game, or would they be better off taking a bye week? Anyway, I replied back to that saying, I was looking at my phone a lot during the game, which is true, I was. 
I don't think he limped badly or super noticeably. I think there was a few moments where he swagger limped, but whatever. So I replied to his criticism with just, I was looking at my phone a lot, knowing that that response may agitate him further, and it did. He then sends me, sends me this a week later. Do you have any clue how often you screw up? I used to love you on Bob and Brian because you were funny. Now I realize you are not very well educated on Wisconsin sports, all caps. I'm out, he says. Okay, Patrick, God bless. Thank you for listening all these years. It's been a good run. God bless you. Now to the positive. Vincent Rizzo emails regarding the Make-A-Wish Kids Day on Friday on the show. Listening to the podcast, Dave, that was an awesome show. Thank you very much for doing that. Well, that's the least we could do to help out and raise money for the cause. Stat of the day, 100% of your listeners had a smile or a tear listening to young Charlie. Keep up the great work. All the best, Vinny. This one from H. Carson. Zabe, regarding you rushing Mr. X through his appearance on Friday, what's the deal? Joe Rogan's podcast goes three hours. Just put X on record and run a few errands around the house, and when you get back, push publish. I don't think he's stalling. I think he just likes to share. P.S. More Solly. That's the thing. I You know, I love Mr. X. I don't know why I get impatient with him. Maybe it's the end of the week and I'm cranky and I'm just looking to put a final bow on. That's probably it because he is the last guy I talked to in the podcast run for the week. (laughs) But yeah, I I don't know. I guess I feel like Joe Rogan's podcast. Joe Rogan's Joe Rogan. Ain't nobody got three hours for me. In fact, I kind of think if I made this podcast a tight 30 minutes, that might be an advantage because so many people are podcasting now. And you as the consumer, and me too, we have a lot of podcasts we like to listen to. So if I can make mine tighter, more efficient, 30 minutes, bing, bing, get in, get out, there you go, I bet I'll get more listenership. You would think, right? Eric Singleton writes to say, hi, Zabe and Jay. Listen to the podcast today. I wanted to chime in the discussion regarding Joy Taylor versus Molly Kiram. I must agree with Jay on this one. Joy is fine as frog air. She wins this one hands down. Checks all the boxes for me. PSA, you need to get Jay, Smoot, and Hatch together. I would love to hear that discussion. Why? Because they all happen to be black? Racist. Just kidding. Keep up the great work, guys. Always enjoy your discussion. Sincerely. Eric, this one from Paul Stanocek. Zabe, Molly, Kiram, and it's not even close. She's a bottom of the first rounder, and I would look to get joy at maybe the turn in round four or five. Thank you, Paul from Nebraska. Mark Weisbrod writes to say, your slander of JMU. Oh, boy. Here we go. Steed, one percenter here, have loved your work forever, even made Zabe a listening, a multiple generation thing by passing you down to my son. He is now 28. Thank you. I am in a minor grieving process since you are drifting away from the D.C. sports scene. I do understand that you have to gravitate to where the work is, but you have consistently made our D.C. sports desert infinitely more palatable with your witty, snarky, edgy perspective. 
I speak for all your DC-centric audience by imploring you to keep a, keep a firm foot in our sports scene. I will still keep a foot in the DC scene. I also love that you have elevated your and our golf nerdery to a new level with the Capital Golf Gang, even with the unctuous Ron Thomas. <laughs> golf commentary is so hopelessly bland across all the networks that having real voices with sharp commentary is so refreshing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Everything's going great so far in this email. So with that said, here comes the but. Your take on JMU is, in a word, nuts. Here are pictures of Exit 14 University, P.S. admittedly funny, and not a beautiful school, unquote. Really? This, quote, not beautiful school now has 23,000 on-campus undergrads, top-notch sports teams, top-notch, top-notch. That'd be two-time FCS national champion uh, football team, NCAA Women's Lacrosse National Championship, and NCAA Softball Final Four. Hey, how about that? That might be a, hey, how about, <laughs> there it is. I, I anticipated. <laughs> I didn't even read that. That might be a, hey, how about that thing, but it truly has developed into something special. As Ken Beatrice would say, bye now. Uh, just, you know what, Mark? You know I slander with tongue in cheek. And yes, the photos of JMU, the beauty shots you sent me are indeed beautiful. There's big buildings. There's trees. There's open spaces. There are the foothills of some foothills in the distance there. No pictures of that interstate cutting right through the campus. I didn't see any of those. I didn't, didn't hear an audio recording of the... <laughs> no, it's a thriving university. It's a great place. Scott Lynn's daughter attends JMU. I will bring it up with him. Of course, I think any school, any university has at least three beauty shots they can put in their brochure for admissions to say, hey, why don't you come here? None of them look like prisons. They look beautiful from the right angle in the right part of the season. In fact, how about this? Give me the ugliest campus in America. What is the ugliest major college campus you can think of? Now, you probably say some downtown schools, some city schools. I'm not even sure we can count those. Maybe excluding your downtown campuses in very gritty areas, like, say, Temple in Philadelphia. Put those out of the mix. What's the ugliest rural school you can think of? You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. 
Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This one from Lance Newby. Hello, Lance. Zabe, longtime listener and premium subscriber. I believe we met at a Bob and Brian Open back in 1996. That would have been possible, but that's going way back. I always enjoy hearing Hatch. I hope his mid-major group of five Bearcats rocked the world on December 31st. P.S. I heard you mention Barefoot and Myrtle Beach sometime in April. Uh, technically May we're going. He says, I'm currently stationed at Fort Jackson, South Carolina. I would love to get in on that golf action if it's open to listeners. It's not, not this one because it's our 20th anniversary. I'm going to try to get as many of our longtime golf trip guys back for this one, but possibly in the future. He says, here's what I can bring to the table. If you and Hatch and others are interested, I would like to give you guys a tour of Fort Jackson and some up-and-close personal time with America's bestest and most motivated future Army warriors. I could arrange it. We put about 25,000 soldiers through basic combat training every year. We could finish it up with an afternoon round at either of the post's 18-hole golf courses. There's a lot to do and see here in Columbia. Let me know if you're interested. Sincerely, Michael Lance Newby. SFC newbie, U.S. Army. Thank you very much, uh, Lance or Michael, and thank you for your service and for training our next generation of warriors. It's a wonderful offer. I don't know if we're going to be able to take you up on it, but it's a wonderful offer. Sharon Betlack, I think I'm saying that right, Betlack, L-A-C-H, writes, Steve, I am a 79-year-old widow who loves sports and listens to you each morning. Wow. Let me pause for a second and comment on this is the power and the mystery and the awe of podcasting. You never know who's going to catch your podcast. You never know who might become a longtime regular to your podcast, who may appreciate what you do, and what you say, and how you say it. 79-year-old woman, widow, not in my demographic, but Sharon, welcome to the show. She writes to say, my deceased husband loved model railroading. During our 53 years of marriage, he filled our basement with mountains, lakes, and rivers, and bustling cities, and businesses all visited by the Union Pacific Railroad. In building his railroad, he was a carpenter, an artist, an architect, an electrician, a visionary, a businessman, and he utilized his computer skills learned in his 30 years of employment with IBM. He helped many people build their railroads and entertained countless children, including our sons and grandchildren, with his imaginary world. We visited many wonderful places here and abroad, always finding a train somewhere in our travels. He formed many friendships with with other rail enthusiasts, and when he died three years ago, they spent months helping me take down his railroad so I could sell it, and most importantly, pass on his treasures 
to others who would enjoy them as much as he did. I chuckled when I heard your comments this morning. Yes, I would take trains over sex toys. And I just wanted you to know what a wonderful hobby model railroading is. I hope your hobbies and friends bring you as much joy and satisfaction as his did. Thank you for reading this. Go Badgers and go Packers. Sharon Betlack. Sharon, thank you so much. I now cringe thinking what kind of wise-ass slander I was committing on those who model railroad. You're totally right. That You're totally right about model railroads. It does encompass all that. And it's a hobby. I don't give a shit what you're into. If you're super passionate about it and you know a lot about it and you connect with people doing it, it's a great hobby. There almost is no bad hobbies. And no, drinking and gambling are not hobbies. They're vices. John Goodall writes to say, Zabe, I heard that soundbite from Mike Francesa on the greatest coaches of all time. Is he nuts? Yes, Lombardi and Paul Brown are up there. But then he puts Landry at three? What about Noel? What about Walsh? I don't know. How about that guy Don Shula? He was pretty good. How did this guy ever make it so big in radio? His incoherent ramblings and bad takes remind me of my drunken college buddies. All the best, John and Indy. Mike Carter writes to say, FTGville, population U. Zabe, my FTG of the week is one Steve Zabin. Are you not aware of Whamageddon? No, I'm not. So I quickly went to the link he sent me. Whamageddon. A game played during the 24 days before Christmas Eve in which players try to go from December 1st to the start of Christmas Eve as per European celebrations on the 24th December, midnight on the 24th, blah, 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 without hearing Last Christmas by Wham. If the player hears the song between those days, they are out of the game and have to post hashtag Whamageddon on social media to indicate that they have indeed been knocked out. Well, Zabe, your new outro of your podcast has eliminated me from my pool. I tried to plead with my colleagues that it was only a small sample of the song, hoping sense would prevail and I could live to fight another day until I heard the full-fledged version. But the opportunity to reduce the field and take a step closer to victory made it perhaps, not surprisingly, an easy decision for them. I'm out. Maybe 2022 will finally be my year to avoid Whamageddon. P.S. 2021 was a vintage year for the Zabecast. Thank you, and keep up the great work. I, I had no idea that, that Whamageddon was a thing, and I'm going to now I- I- remove immediately that outro song so that nobody else gets knocked out because of it. Regarding the Detroit Lions and their excessive maybe celebration the other day, longtime listener, first time emailing, says uh, Scott and Glenn Burney, And like it or not, we are dealing with internal morale here. The following applies both in sports and in business. You got to accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, and latch on to the affirmative. You know the rest. Celebrate to near excess. It'll all blow over in a day anyway. Great show. Miss you in the DMV, but excited for your new chapter. Keep Keep up the refuse the vax faith. What are you talking about there? I'm fully vaccinated. Sure I am. Jed Buxton on Tom Brady. Zabe, congratulations on the roommate switch. They said it couldn't be done, but you've done it. Happy for you. 
By the way, I was at the Colts-Bucks game two weeks ago. I was locked in on Brady for a lot of the game. I wanted him to fail miserably. He did okay. The thing that bothered me the most was how often he was talking to the umpire. And I'm not saying just talking, but hand motions. Even this kind of close contact where the ref would even place his hand on Brady's shoulder or back. I have no doubt that the reverence given to old Tommy by the refs does indeed give him an advantage on the mostly subjective P.I. calls. Calls that did hurt the Colts during the game. I guess that's why he is the GOAT as well as other reasons that may be artificial or maybe real. Thanks again for all you do and the real story on COVID. You are also the goat to me, Hall of Fame or not. Thank you, Jed. Um, that's a great point. And all quarterbacks work the head referee, work the uh, the crew chief who sits behind the quarterback. I'd love to make a rule that says it's a flag if you talk to the referee. Any referee. They shouldn't be able to do that. It is an advantage, and you know because the referees are human and because they deep down want to be liked by the best quarterbacks in the game, Brady and Rodgers and Russell Wilson and others, that they are going to be biased towards them to a certain degree, maybe one-tenth of one percent, but that can be all the difference in the game. And they're not going to give as much of a shit about some rookie who may suck or some journeyman scrub who's like, hey, that was P.I. They're like, "Uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Whatever, Andy Dalton. But if it's Brady, they may like, oh, Tom, I'm sorry. I I missed that one. I'll tell our guys to do a better job. That should absolutely be a rule. No talking to the refs. So there you go. Some good feedback. I appreciate all of it. Send it to me at zabe at yahoo.com. Three inches of Lincoln Riley (laughs) or three inches of highway for Lincoln Riley. A state senator in Oklahoma has proposed naming the final three inches of highway leaving Oklahoma westward to be named after former Sooners coach Lincoln Riley. This would be the westbound lane of State Highway 325 in the Panhandle and it should be termed Lincoln-Riley Highway, and they want to name three inches of it. Said the senator, Bill Coleman, why I felt the state of Oklahoma needed an appropriate goodbye to this former head coach whose sudden departure left many in shock, including a team of young, dedicated college players. I found the tiniest section of our most desolate highway to pay tribute Coach Riley's exit from Oklahoma football and all state. This is only fitting as this is the last three inches one sees before leaving all great state heading west. <laughs> According to the release, the bill will be considered by the Senate this next session that convenes on Feb 7. It becomes law. Coleman, a radio broadcaster and owner of a handful of stations, will pay for the signage. Talk about a don't-blink-and-you'll-miss-it landmark. That one certainly qualifies. Dayline, Kentucky. Horrible, horrible tornadoes, damage, destruction, death over the weekend. An EF5 tornado. Obviously, it's going to require months and months and months and years of cleanup and recovery. 
And, of course, it has spawned lots of opportunists on social media. There were ghouls tweeting within hours of this political takes regarding Kentucky and global warming or climate change, claiming, see, this is what happens when you don't bow to the climate change gods. Technically, though, this is a rare event. It is the longest drought for an EF5 tornado since 1953. I think it's been seven years since we've had one of these. But they've been happening for hundreds of years. But hey, why let the facts get in the way of a good political narrative? How about just waiting a bit before you start to try to score political points off a tragedy like this? Did you see the legend of St. John Fisher's Connor Williams? Seven foot tall, 360 pounds, not super coordinated, but good enough to play basketball for a few minutes in the Cardinals' 100-58 loss to the Buffalo Bulls in Division Three basketball. This kid, he was easy to spot. Big boy. And he had a haircut and a hairstyle that looked like Bob's big boy. The big, floofy wave, the crashing surfer wave of hair from left to right across his forehead. This guy, quote, ran down the court, unquote, ran, as if he had a load in his pants. He barely touched another player's toe and tripped and fell. He was awkward getting up. You could see his butt crack, but then as play resumed, he got past the ball, and he saw a cutting teammate go into the hole, flicked a deft overhand, two-handed pass right on time to him for a dunk and an and-one foul. Connor Williams, you, sir, are a legend. And then we'll end with this. If you ever wondered where we were in the broad scope of societal commentary and speech restrictions and cancel culture and trying to zing each other back and forth in whatever venues we can find, censorship has now gone down to the dimple level. That's right, the dimple level. Titleist recently took a PC stance against one customizable phrase on its golf balls. You could order your Titleist golf balls pre-stamped by the company itself with your name or any kind of slogan or saying you want, not any kind, but most kinds. Apparently, Titleist has now banned Let's Go Brandon from being ordered on your dozen or more Titleist golf balls. According to the manufacturer, they have the rights to refuse in their sole discretion any kind of Statements that are against company values or brand identity, including but not limited to logos, designs, and or personalizations that are negative in nature, advocate violence, or illegal activity, or are slurs, hateful, threatening, libelous, defamatory, vulgar, obscene, or pornographic. What if your name is Brandon, though? Just wondering. 
Slogans previously approved and permitted by the Titleist guidelines included, allegedly, although I haven't seen this, can't confirm it, F. Trump, ACAB, Antifa, Kill Cops, Impeach Trump, and Kill Trump have all been approved by Titleist over the years. I'm a Titleist guy. I think this is going a bit too far. That said, there are third-party companies, not Titleist themselves, that will put a logo on your golf balls, and they'll put pretty much anything on it. Find one of them and go crazy. That'll do it for me today. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. Full recap, Bears-Packers in our late Sunday night adventure to Lambeau Field coming up on tomorrow's Abecast with our friend Andy Poland, plus recap from the Washington-Dallas game, another big divisional tilt. We'll see how Mike McCarthy's bold boast of we're going to win this game worked out for him. Have a great Monday, everybody, and we will see you next time. Hasn't slowed a single furry, but seems to be we're in a hurry. Climb down the chimney, turn on the brightest string of lights I've ever seen. Slice up the fruitcake, this time we hung some tinsel on the evergreen bough. For I've grown a little leader, grown a little colder, grown a little sadder, grown a little older. Sitting on my shoulder Need a little Christmas now Need a